Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the CGI for quarter and fiscal 2020 conference call. I will now like to turn the meeting over to Mr. Maher Yagi, Vice President, Investor Relations. Please go ahead, Mr. Yagi. Thank you, Julie, and good morning. With me to discuss CGI's fourth quarter fiscal 2020 results are George Schindler, our President and CEO, and Francois Boulanger, Executive Vice President and CFO. This call is being broadcast on CGI.com and recorded live at 9 a.m. Eastern Time on Wednesday, November 11, 2020. Supplemental slides, as well as the press release we issued earlier this morning, are available for download along with our 2020 MDNA, financial statements, and accompanying notes, all of which have been filed with both CEDAR and EDGAR. Please note that some statements made on the call may be, may be forward-looking. Actual events or results may differ materially from those expressed or implied, and CGI disclaims any intent or obligation to update or revise any forward-looking statements, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise. The complete safe harbor statement is available in both our MDNA and press release, as well on CGI.com. We encourage our investors to read it in its entirety. We are reporting our financial results in accordance with International Financial Reporting Standards, or IFRS. As always, we will also discuss non-GAAP performance measures, which should be viewed as supplemental. The MDNA contains definitions of each one used in our reporting. All of the dollar figures expressed on this call are Canadian, unless otherwise noted. So with that, I'll turn it over to Francois. Thank you, Mayor, and good morning, everyone. Let me start by acknowledging that today is Remembrance Day in Canada and in many countries across Europe, as well as Veterans Day in the U.S. I want to recognize all those who have served or are serving in the defense of their nations. Thank you. So let us now go to the Q4 results. Despite the widespread disruptions that the pandemic has caused to world economies, our results in the quarter demonstrate the resiliency of CGI's business model and the value that we provide to our clients, helping them emerge stronger from this very difficult period. Overall, we are pleased with our fourth quarter results underpinned by strong bookings, profitability, and cash generation. Revenue came in at $2.9 billion, down 1.1% when compared to last year and representing a constant currency decline of 4.5% year over year. IP as a percent of revenue was 22% in the quarter, up from 21% in Q3. Revenue increased in transaction-based IP for trade, collections, and insurance, partly offset by lower volumes in our IP engagements related to areas affected by the pandemic, such as lower payroll volumes and travel restrictions. We booked a healthy $3.5 billion in new contracts in Q4, or 119% of revenue, with particular strength in North America. 
This demonstrates the value of our services despite the pressure on world economies. Adjusted EBIT in Q4 was stable from the year-ago period at $458 million, while EBIT margins increased to 15.6%, up 10 basis points compared to Q4 last year. The year-over-year increase was mainly the result of lower SG&A discretionary expenses, synergies in our infrastructure business, savings from our restructuring plan, and $8.5 million related to IFRS 16. Restructuring expenses were $84 million in a quarter as a result of actions taken in response to the pandemic as we outlined in Q2. We do not expect additional restructuring related to the pandemic at this time. Our effective tax rate in Q4 was 25.4% or 25.5% when excluding non-deductible restructuring expenses. This compares with 25.1% last year and was within our expected range for the year. Net earnings were $252 million for a margin of 8.6% and diluted earnings per share were $0.96. Excluding integration and restructuring costs, Earnings were $318 million for a margin of 10.9%, and diluted earnings per share were $1.22 compared to $1.21 in the same quarter last year. We are especially pleased with the continuing trend of strong cash generation. In the quarter, cash provided by operating activities was $492 million, or 17% of revenue, representing an increase of $87 million compared with Q4 last year. This improvement was driven by lower DSOs coming in at 47 days compared to 50 days in the same period last year as a result of better collections and a positive impact from the adoption of IFRS 16. Net debt to capitalization decreased sequentially due to strong cash generation from 28% in Q3 to 24% at the end of September, offering us increased flexibility to execute our build and buy strategy. Turning now to our fiscal 2020 full year results. Revenue was $12.2 billion. On a constant currency basis, revenue was stable year over year. Bookings for the year totaled $11.8 billion or 97% of revenues. Our global backlog remained healthy at 1.9 times revenue, or $22.7 billion, the vast majority of which are comprised of long-term managed services engagements. Adjusted EBIT was $1.9 billion, representing a margin of 15.3% for the full fiscal year, up 20 basis points from last year. Then earnings were $1.1 billion for a margin of 9.2%, and diluted earnings per share were $4.20. When excluding acquisition, integration, and restructuring-related expenses, net earnings for the year totaled $1.3 billion, and earnings per share were $4.89, $0.19 higher than last year, representing growth of 4%. For the full year, operating cash flows were $1.9 billion, or 15.9% of revenues, an improvement of $305 million versus $1.6 billion last year. Throughout fiscal 2020, we made a number of accretive investments, $315 million back into our business, $267 million in acquisitions, and we invested $1 billion billion repurchasing 10.6 million CGI shares. Looking ahead, 
we plan to utilize our strong cash position to drive growth in the business. At our disposal are $1.7 billion of cash on hand and a $1.5 billion revolver, which we will use to drive investment in our internal IP, M&A, and share buybacks. With 23 active discussions ongoing and others in the pipeline, we continue to engage with potential M&A targets in order to accelerate both our metro market strategy as well as potential transformational acquisition opportunities. Now I will turn the call over to George to provide more details on the operations, our strategy, and on the outlook for our business and markets. George? Thank you, Francois, and good morning, everyone. I would also like to begin my remarks today by recognizing the men and women serving in the military around the world. Thank you for your service and sacrifice. Now I'll turn to CGI's performance for the fourth quarter. Our agile operating model, locally empowered leaders, and global alignment on key priorities has enabled us to protect and preserve shareholder value despite the continued disruptions created by the pandemic. In the quarter, we delivered on key short-term priorities for sustaining value, including expanding our margin, generating superior cash, maintaining incumbent work, and growing share with enterprise clients. We now see increased client demand materializing in most geographies. The actions we have taken over the last few quarters will enable us to rapidly meet this demand and achieve our plans to return to revenue growth by the second half of this fiscal year. In the quarter, margin expansion was delivered through a combination of operational excellence and business mix. We further reduced discretionary SG&A costs and generated savings from the permanent restructuring actions taken over the last two quarters. As Francois mentioned, these actions are now completed and behind us. Therefore, we expect net earnings to increase on a go-forward basis. The continued shift in the business mix towards longer-term, higher-margin recurring revenue also contributed to the strong bottom line. Managed services now accounts for 56% of total revenue, expanding steadily throughout the year and in line with our projections of renewed client demand for these services. Intellectual property, including SaaS-based solutions, also increased year over year. We generated strong cash from operations in large part due to lower DSO. This lower DSO is a result of the shift in mix to more managed services and also reflects the value of the services to our clients and the quality of our project delivery. As we shared earlier this year, this financial strength anchors CGI's resilience. And we maintained our incumbency and grew our share with enterprise clients. Representative wins in the quarter included a new project with a global retailer where CGI's team of proximity-based onshore and global delivery consultants will help advance the client's U.S. digital roadmap. A large smart city digitization program for the city of Edinburgh that builds on our existing managed services agreement and expands on it to now include machine learning solutions, advanced analytics, and Internet of Things services and a new engagement with one of the top five automotive manufacturers in the world to deliver robotic process automation solutions that will optimize hundreds of processes and reduce costs across their enterprise. Now let's review the Q4 regional performance highlights. I'll start in North America. In the U.S., Q4 revenue grew year over year, and bookings were up 40% compared to Q3 reflecting our ability to bring solutions to help clients navigate these dynamic times. Overall, 
Revenue and bookings were strong across all industry sectors this quarter, particularly in government at the federal, state, and local levels. In Canada, revenue and margin were impacted temporarily by the effects of the pandemic, primarily within the financial services sector and in the transaction-based payroll services IP business. Clients, however, reiterated their confidence in CGI through awards of key opportunities driven by new initiatives in the financial services sector, resulting in a book-to-bill of over 100%, the highest level of Canadian bookings this year. Increased technology intensity in all industry sectors across North America is driving client demand for our end-to-end services. Automation and platform-related services are in particular demand and are fueling increases in the North American pipeline of opportunities. Moving now to the UK and Australia. The team again delivered strong bottom-line results and a book-to-bill of 122%. While revenue was down in the quarter, our pipeline of opportunities continues to be significant, driven by the strength of our work for existing clients in government, national critical infrastructure, and the space sector. Our public sector market leadership position was recently highlighted as the Scottish Borders Council, CGI, and Apple were honored for our public-private partnership. Together, we are creating a world-class digital learning environment for students to reduce inequality, improve academic performance, and boost student employability. And now moving to the rest of Europe. Across Western and Southern Europe, the follow-on economic effects of the pandemic continued to impact our revenue and margins. The SGA reductions we initiated last quarter enabled us to mitigate the full impact of this disruption to our business. In Central and Eastern Europe, our actions in the last few quarters, as well as strengthening demand from clients, enabled us to improve our margins year over year despite declines in revenue. And in our Northern Europe segments, we again experienced lower client spending for our higher-end consulting and advisory services in the quarter. Importantly, our restructuring actions initiated last quarter have enabled us to adjust to the changing client demand. As a result, we are seeing strong trends in our pipeline compared to this time last year. Despite the renewed pandemic-related shutdowns in some European geographies, we continue to have productive discussions with clients as they reassess their operations and consider ways to rebound post-pandemic. In fact, our pipeline continues to increase up 20% year-over-year in Europe, based on the relevance of our end-to-end portfolio of services. And finally, in Asia-Pacific, we delivered double-digit revenue growth with improved margin, demonstrating the resiliency of our global delivery services model and the quality of our Asia-Pacific delivery team. Across all geographies, we continue to see increased levels of client demand for CGI's global delivery model, which balances offshore, onshore, and nearshore options for our clients. Turning now to fiscal year 2021, we informed our annual plan from over 1,400 client conversations with an objective to build on our strong foundation and focus on those priorities that will generate new value for all stakeholders with growth through both build and buy. In these planning discussions, each of our stakeholders reiterated that technology is now core to how organizations create value for their customers and shareholders. The response to the pandemic has accelerated this by creating new consumers across every generation, now having digital-first expectations that clients must aim to meet. 
We continue to see tremendous opportunities to help clients transition their quick response digitization efforts into meaningful and sustainable enterprise outcomes. For some, these initiatives will help drive revenue growth, and for others, will help them achieve immediate cost savings. We expect many clients to seek to achieve both of these objectives using a percentage of the cost savings to fund customer-oriented digital initiatives. We firmly believe that the three fundamental shifts in client demand that I outlined last quarter will drive CGI's return to profitable growth. These opportunities include enabling our clients to achieve business agility, to adapt to the future of work, and to reinvent their technology supply chains. These three shifts will continue to generate client demand specifically for managed services and intellectual property. We see this trend in our pipeline with over 50% comprised of managed services opportunities. In addition, our IP pipeline is up 25% compared to this time last year. While the rebound timelines and business objectives will vary by industry sector and organization, our diverse presence across the government and commercial sectors in every region positions us well for these three opportunities. Industries that have faced significant hardships like transportation, manufacturing, and oil and gas are now turning to us to help them manage costs and enable resiliency. Although their spend continues to be constrained, we are helping them through our managed services, business continuity, and automation offers. We now see cautious investments returning in other commercial sectors, like communications and media firms, utilities, and even some retailers as they look to accelerate digitization, rebalance their IT supply chains, and leverage cloud and automation to increase their business agility. We saw a particularly strong trend in our Q4 bookings across financial services as more banks and insurers resumed some investments in digital channels and technology modernization. And lastly, the government and health sectors have maintained high levels of demand over the last several quarters as both sectors have been at the heart of the needed support to citizens and societies. Our government clients' confidence in CGI resulted in strong bookings and healthy revenue growth in these sectors year over year. To summarize our fiscal year 2021 plans, we remain committed to executing our strategy through a balance of build and buy growth while maintaining our focus on creating incremental shareholder value. We plan to accelerate our buy strategy given the strength of our operational readiness and financial capacity. As Francois outlined, we are actively assessing a growing pipeline of potential mergers and are well positioned to move quickly with discipline on the right opportunities. As always, our capital allocation approach will be prioritized to drive profitable growth. Specifically, we will continue to invest back into our business, including in people, IP, and managed IT services contracts. Fund our buy strategy, both transformational and metro market mergers, and buy back our stock to increase returns to our shareholders. In closing, we remain optimistic as we begin our new fiscal year. Our confidence is rooted in our strong positioning, strategically, operationally, and financially. CGI has a legacy of resilience, and our strategic aspiration remains to double the size of the company over the next five to seven years for the benefit of all our stakeholders. Thank you for your continued interest and support. Let's go to the questions now. Just a reminder that the replay of the call will be available either via our website or dialing 1-855-859-2056.
and using the passcode 5631496 until December 11th. As well, a podcast of this call will be available for download within a few hours. Follow-up questions can be directed to me at 514-415-3651, and the operator will ready to take questions. Thank you. At this time, if you'd like to ask a question, press star, then a number one on your telephone keypad. And your first question comes from the line of Thanos Mokopoulos with BMO Capital Market. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Uh, George, with, uh, hi. Uh, with George, uh, George, with uh, Europe entering um, new lockdowns, um, how should we think about the near-term trajectory there? Um, could that lead to some near-term revenue pressure, or have you know, people adjusted to uh, remote working to the extent that you know, that shouldn't necessarily be a headwind uh, short-term? Yes, more the more the latter, uh, Thanos. Um, uh, clients are reacting very differently now, seven to eight months into the pandemic. They're more prepared. Uh, they also recognize the need for technology. And uh, as a result, uh, even with uh, some of those rolling shutdowns that are occurring, uh, we're seeing very few uh, delays, uh, many new initiatives actually uh, continuing. Um, and specifically, you know, it's, it's interesting in the European clients, uh, the domestic business does take a, a bit of a hit due to the shutdowns, but our enterprise clients, uh, many are seeing increasing demand in Asia, which they didn't see the first shutdown because Asia was still uh, in lockdown. Uh, so, for example, the auto manufacturers in Sweden and Germany, uh, luxury retailers in France, defense manufacturers across uh, Europe are all seeing increasing earnings, and that's good because that drives some investments. So we're seeing a very different uh, reaction. And same thing we're seeing in Canada, uh, manufacturing, financial services, as I said in my opening remarks, uh, we're seeing those uh, actually new starts uh, coming up. So despite the obvious uh, health crisis, um, we are seeing uh, a, a different reaction this time around, and I don't think it changes anything, which is why you heard uh, some of the confidence in, uh, in my remarks. And then um, I think you very often get this question heading into a new fiscal year, um, so, so I'll ask it. Um, just given um, what you're seeing in the pipeline and some of the puts and takes, uh, would you see a path to double-digit organic EPS growth this year, or might there be some, some issues that make that challenging? Yeah, our, our plans are also always to create uh, create shareholder value, and so uh, our plan is always to, to generate that double-digit uh, earnings per share growth uh, in in, uh, in the new fiscal year. Okay, and then one for uh, Francois. Um, would you be able to quantify uh, the level of government stimulus or wage subsidy contribution in the quarter? I, sorry, I missed the start of the, the question, Tana. Yeah, w- would you be able to quantify the level of uh, government subsidies or, or you know, stimulus uh, contribution in the quarter? Well, not not more than than the the months uh, or quarter before. Uh, not on the PNL, at least. Uh, you know, uh, where where in some places we have some breaks on on some of the payments, on some of the taxes, uh, especially in Europe, uh, on the payroll taxes. But outside that, uh, in the PNL, uh, not, nothing, nothing out of uh, the ordinary versus the other years. Great, thanks for that one. And your next question comes from line of Richard Say with National Bank. Please go ahead. Yes, uh, thank you. So as we look out to uh, next year, I'm trying to be an optimist here, 
if we see kind of a, a rapid uh, snapback in terms of activity, you know, let's say assuming the, you know, the vaccine is out earlier, could you guys sort of handle that uh, increase in volume under the current sort of operating structure, or would you need to sort of bring on more people? I'm just trying to figure out how much operating leverage is in the model uh, if that were to happen. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I understand uh, the question. Uh, right now, we are planning and expect uh, for continued uh, positive trends as we move through uh, the the, uh, the quarters here next fiscal year. And, and we even saw that as we moved through the last uh, few months uh, with positive trends in utilization and other uh, key metrics. But it's been a more steady increase. I think your question is, what if there's a a more immediate uh, snapback, uh, you know, we already are having some very, uh, very uh, strong pipeline of uh, new hiring that's going on, and I think that's a, that's a good positive. I think we'd be able to accommodate, because remember, a lot of our larger managed services deals, we actually bring people on board from uh, from our clients, and so that's, a, that's an automatic uh, where we can meet the demand, and so... I would see more of that uh, occurring as well. Okay. So we're prepared. And, you know, <laughs> okay. And with respect to your comments on uh, second half pickup next year, I'm assuming that's organic growth. And yep. can you maybe sort of give us some color in terms of the, the type of projects that are uh, going to be scaling in that back half? Are, are those the ones that really you don't need to be on site as much or the nature of those type of deals? Yeah, well, as uh, as you're aware, the the whole world has uh, has kind of uh, uh, navigated uh, this and uh, and pivoted to uh, to being able to work some remotely. We've always done some of that uh, through our global delivery model, where we have on-site, offshore, and uh, and then of course the the nearshore in between. Uh, so I would expect uh, the projects actually to be uh, to run the gamut, and we're seeing that now. We're seeing. Uh, Systems integration uh, and consulting projects kick off with uh, that have cloud migration and enablement, uh, RPA automation, as I mentioned, one of the, the new wins uh, with the uh, automotive manufacturer, rationalization and modernization, even uh, DevOps and uh, agile methodologies. So, uh, you know, we have about 12% of our people on site now. It actually had reached 20% before some of the shutdowns. So uh, I don't uh, – I think it's, it's all the above – Simplification of IT supply chain, some of that, those larger deals, uh, yeah, some of that's done uh, more remotely through global delivery anyway. And then uh, our IP platform, uh, we kind of call them business platforms as a service. Those are, uh, those are driving some of that growth as well. Uh, so, again, a lot, uh, lot of positive signs, but it's really the end-to-end services, uh, I would say, that is what, what we're seeing right now, Richard. Okay. And just one last quick one for me. You seem to be a bit more uh, – focused on, on the acquisition side relative to previous quarters. Um, is that because valuations have started to come in, or um, maybe you can give us a bit of color on that? That's it for me. Thanks. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, in the initial uh, response to the pandemic, uh, there were a lot of uh, economic stimulus uh, payments going out to some of the smaller and medium-sized private companies. So they kind of uh, they, they didn't want to move until they, they understood that landscape. Of course, we wanted to be cautious as well. Uh, yeah, we see that now playing out. Uh, those companies now uh, actually are, are more motivated given what's happening in the marketplace. And uh, I would say that the, those uh, mid-sized uh, metro market uh, private companies, 
the valuations are starting to, to settle and the expectations are starting to settle. Of course, in the, in the public, uh, the public companies, it's, uh, it's still more volatile up and down. And so we'll have to see there, but, uh, our financial capacity. And I think the other, the other element there, Rich, is our, our operational, uh, readiness. We, uh, we really uh, focused on the fundamentals, got the restructuring behind us, uh, so we're well positioned both financially and operationally. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry. And your next question comes from one of Jason Kupferberg with Bank of America. Please go ahead. Good morning, guys. I just wanted to start with a question on the the bookings in the quarter. Obviously, very strong. Looked like it was tilted a little bit more towards renewals vis-a-vis new work than what we've seen historically, but was hoping maybe you can unpack the bookings numbers for us a bit and, and highlight some of the particular areas of, of strength uh, that you saw. And I'd love to just hear your general thoughts about translating backlog to revenue. It feels like some of the trends there in the industry are a little choppy right now, so the bookings are a great leading indicator for sure, but just wanted to get your take on uh, conversion to revenue and what the, and what that's looking like in your portfolio. Yeah, so uh, you're, you're right in your, uh, in your assessment that a lot of this is with our existing uh, customers. Uh, not all renewals, though, right? Some of it's add-on work on top of those renewals, and, and that actually, to your last part of your question, uh, bodes well because... Uh, Translating backlog to revenue on a booking where you're already working with the existing client is just an add-on. Uh, some of that work can happen very quickly, and we're already starting to see some of that in, uh, in some of your tr- our trending. As I mentioned, our utilization has uh, increased throughout the uh, throughout the quarter, and some of it's related to some of those bookings that occurred throughout the quarter. Uh, nice to see that uh, we are seeing some uh, some uh, additional uh, new starts on the financial services side. And specifically there, uh, some of that's being driven by our uh, intellectual property. Uh, again, uh, if I just use financial services as an example, you know, wealth IP coming in uh, North America, uh, payments IP in Europe, um, our trade uh, IP and collections IP globally. Uh, so uh, our retail 360 IP, uh, particularly with our new METI uh, merger, uh, with with some of their IP is uh, is driving some nice uh, nice bookings um, and and again a lot of that is with their existing uh, uh, customers uh, existing clients and so that will translate I think a little bit faster than uh, than the completely new starts but our pipeline is full of new clients as well those tend to move a little slower but uh, again we see uh, positive traction in every geography around the world. Okay. And then just a revenue question. So here in the quarter, you were you were down 4.5% in, in constant currency. Uh, wanted to get a sense of just how that compared versus your expectations, and, and, and do you think that this ends up being the trough quarter and we start to see some reacceleration in the first quarter of 21 as you proceed towards the, the goal of getting to positive growth in the second half of, of fiscal 21? Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's, it is, uh, it is what we, uh, what we expected. So, uh, because there's a, there's a lag in getting some of those projects to start back up. As I mentioned, uh, we see some positive signs, uh, particularly in some of the weaker areas. Like I mentioned, uh, in the manufacturing specifically, 
uh, as well as retail. If you if you take out the uh, the MRD um, uh, just as an industry from those Q4 numbers, we're uh, we're, we're approaching uh, flat uh, flat for the quarter over quarter. So that gives you some ideas. So that's why I highlighted you know some of those uh, as manufacturers uh, do better and do some of those new starts. Uh, some of the the luxury retailers, like I mentioned, given the strength now of the uh, the Asian economy. Uh, that uh, that bodes well for us uh, to continue to move through there, but uh, the bookings and the and the translation as uh, as you asked, and then uh, the, those utilization and and you know we're we're increasing our uh, our open position and our hiring in a lot of places. So all that is going to drive as we move through the months and and quarters. So that's a long way of saying yeah, I think we've uh, we've reached the trough, and we I just wanted to give you some color on why. We thank that, and what are some of those positive signs? Very helpful. Thank you. Yep. And your next question comes from the line of Deepak Koshal with Steve Ho. Please go ahead. Oh, hi. Good morning, uh, guys. Thanks for taking my question. Um, just a couple of follow-ups, uh, George. Um, you yeah. talked about strength in, in the Asian markets. Yeah. I'm just trying to understand. Um, I can understand how it's translating into improved business for European and North American companies that export into those markets. What are the activities for you guys in terms of local business there and local delivery in that theater? And what's the yep. strategy for that for that area? Yep. Yeah. So no, the 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 way we're approaching those markets are not uh, not domestically. We're approaching them through those enterprise clients that uh, that you just mentioned. So uh, if uh, if that market is stronger for, like I said. A, uh, uh, an auto manufacturer in Sweden and Germany, and they're selling more cars in that market. They're making more investments in their operations in Germany and, and in Sweden. Uh, same thing for the uh, luxury retailers, etc. So we're, we're applying to the domestic markets in Europe and North America, and North America, but helping those enterprise clients uh, drive growth in the uh, in the Asian market. So that's why I mentioned that uh, as an important. Uh, uh, difference from the first first wave of the pandemic. Got it. And so when we think of your, your five-year plan to double the business, is, is there a piece in there that involves increasing local uh, Asia-Pacific business or even a return to local Latin American business? Yeah, I'm just you, trying to understand what the global strategy yeah. is outside of the traditional yeah. market. Yeah. Well, if you look at the uh, the global strategy and, and really the strategy of CGI uh, as we built the company, has always been to uh, to, to merge with like-minded uh, companies that have uh, a presence and understanding of a local market. It's hard to break into a market on your own, and so it would be through that merger and uh, an acquisition uh, process. So, and it would probably be in a more transformational. We wouldn't we wouldn't look to necessarily buy a Metro Tuck-in in one of those domestic markets because that would be uh, that would be counter to uh, to the strategy. It would be more of buying a transformational way into one of those markets, and and there it's always looking for the the right company at the at the right time at the right price. So um, uh, you know, but but again, a lot of the enterprise uh, clients will come with some of that work, and that will then uh, will follow our clients and uh, and their clients into those markets. Got it. And then the last follow up, just on that. On that basis, when, when Francois mentioned the 23 companies in the pipeline for M&A, is, is this kind of global merger type of 
idea included in that pipeline, or is this the outside of that, that immediate pipeline? Yeah. That, that pipeline right now is is mostly on the uh, on the metro market uh, tuck-ins, but uh, we uh, and so those active ones are mostly in the metro market tuck-in. Uh, that does not mean that we're always having discussions and looking at the transformational, but that's not really included in the 23. Okay, got it. Well, thank you for taking my questions. Uh, I'll pass on. Sure. Okay. Thank you. And your next question comes from line of Stephanie Price with CIBC. Please go ahead. Good morning. Hi, Stephanie. I uh, just wanted to, to chat a bit on the SAP Outlook a few weeks ago. The company noted an accelerating shift to the cloud with its ERP clients. Just wondering, in terms of CGI, if you could comment on the cloud vendors you're working with the most and how you kind of think about that cloud opportunity over the next couple of years. Yeah, well, we, uh, as always, we, uh, we like to stay uh, uh, partner uh, agnostic uh, and really make sure that we're, uh, we're providing the best advice to our clients. So the reality is we're working with each of the major uh, cloud providers, uh, helping our clients uh, in, uh, in their efforts in cloud enablement and, and cloud migration. So uh, there's not any, any one. We do have a renewed interest in working with the uh, platform providers, uh, whether it's uh, SAP, uh, Salesforce, or any of the others, uh, in helping our clients best use those platforms. And then like I said, using our own IP as kind of business platforms as a service, so uh, as a, as a complementary uh, element to that. So um, we're, we're very active in that market, but, but uh, Stephanie, uh, true to our, uh, our, our values and our client-first uh, approach, um, we're, uh, we're working across all of those partners. Okay, that makes sense. And, and just switching over to the U.S. government, just in terms of the, the government transition that's going on, can you talk a bit about what you usually see in the near term as these transitions kind of go through? Yeah, yeah. So uh, as you might uh, expect, our, our U.S. team is, uh, is well prepared and, uh, and always is, uh, is looking at the uh, elections as an opportunity to help in the transition. And that transition, we're, we're preparing for this regardless because uh, – uh, there's always a transition that occurs, even if it, uh, even if the uh, administration stays. There's always a, a transition, and I must also add, it goes on at all levels of government. So it uh, it uh, extends to the uh, to the state and local government uh, space. So what we typically see is there's a there's a little slowdown in the bookings. Why it was so important for us to uh, increase and and uh, bring a lot of those bookings into Q4 ahead of the elections. Uh, but, but usually the transition uh, happens uh, fairly quickly, and as you as you're probably aware, most uh, most administrations have uh, you know here's our priorities for the first hundred days. Uh, that always requires um, technology changes uh, as we uh, as we uh, continue to to become more and more uh, dependent on technology for uh, implementing any of those programs. So uh, we're we're very close to uh, very close to it and working at, uh, like I said, at every level of government. Great. Thanks so much. Mm-hmm. And your next question comes from the line of Stephen Lee with Fremont James. Please go ahead. Um, thank you. Hey, hey George. Uh, um, just wanted to revisit your remark about uh, revenue growth in the second half. Uh, this is positive organic growth you're referring to or just overall revenue growth? Well, it, it's both. Uh, I'm talking about uh, organic revenue growth and uh, and uh, M&A growth, so it would be both. 
Okay, and and what happens in the in the first half if we get a vaccine early? Can can you also see organic growth in the first half? Yeah, I, that's why I said uh, that's why I said by the, the second half. Uh, we can't uh, we can't predict the exact uh, pace of this. Uh, you know, the vaccine from everything I read, it's going to be a process. So I don't think it's going to be you just turn it on uh, and and things happen uh, quickly. But we can't always predict uh, sentiment, and if certainly. If, uh, if our clients and that, uh, that growing pipeline that I mentioned uh, materializes faster, then, uh, then there's, uh, there's certainly uh, uh, growth will follow. So uh, we'll, be, uh, we'll be staying very close to that, and, uh, and certainly uh, we'll accelerate if our clients accelerate. Okay. That's helpful. Thank you. Yep. And your next question comes from Lana from DLSL with Barclays. Please go ahead. Hi, thank you for taking my question this morning. Uh, I wanted to ask you a question about about the the impact of the pandemic and kind of the virtualization of the workforce and, and how that might in turn impact the sort of metro market strategy, which if I understand correctly is sort of based around, you know, proximity. Uh, is there any has there been any any rethinking of that strategy, or have you seen any impact on the efficacy of that strategy, just based on folks working from sort of wherever relative to being embedded potentially like on site in those metro locations? Yeah, no, it's a it's a it's a good question, and as you might uh, imagine, we're we're uh, we're focused and, and very close to that. But uh, you know, the reality is that uh, although we're very focused, and it's one of the the three fundamental shifts that I mentioned in the, uh, the remarks is really the future of work. Uh, what we're actually seeing is that as that future of work goes to maybe a slightly more remote, uh, uh, permanently remote uh, workforce, it also is providing opportunities for technology to automate more, quite frankly, and make it easier for that workforce to work remotely. Uh, having said that, what we see around the world that the key decision makers uh, are, in fact, uh, back at the office. Uh, most of the CEOs that I speak to uh, from my office uh, are actually at their office. Uh, they recognize the importance of having people uh, working together. And so I think what you're going to see is a hybrid model. And so there's opportunities for technology to help the remote workforce, but the proximity model of being close to uh, the decision makers, uh, were some, especially given some of the uh, the uh, the importance and complexity of the work that we do for clients that technology uh, enables, uh, we don't see a change in that uh, at this point in time. Okay. Um, and then a follow-up for me is, could you give us an update on the re- recent acquisitions, both in terms of the performance and also just any color around cross-selling or cost synergies or anything that may be still benefiting the company as we head into uh, fiscal 21? Yeah, yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a good question. Um, uh, definitely, uh, if, you, if you start with the most recent, the, uh, the TerraThink uh, merger in the U.S. federal business has been instrumental in some of their growth. And as you saw, they're, uh, they're continuing to, uh, to grow and have very strong bookings, and that gives us a new channel. So we're seeing opportunities to expand on the work that they're doing. Uh, likewise, we're seeing that uh, with the Mithy. Uh, intellectual properties, I mentioned that, got folded into our Retail 360. That's been very fundamental to some of the work and uh, the rebound rate we see on the, um, on the uh, retail side of the, of the house in France and across uh, Europe, um, where we now can go full end-to-end from the front 
uh, office to the uh, to the inventory in the back uh, back office, um, especially with the remote uh, work that's going on now. That's been fundamental to some of the uh, uh, the strength as we go forward. The, the media work uh, with uh, with CISIS and quite frankly all of the work we're doing in the space sector, uh, which has been part of the the driver for uh, not just the revenue but the margin growth uh, that we're seeing in uh, across uh, Europe and in the UK. Uh, so SICE is going well. Sunflower has been fully um, uh, been integrated into our government uh, ERP momentum. And uh, we've, we had, I think I, I highlighted this a, a couple, a quarter ago, uh, we saw some wins that wouldn't have happened. They couldn't have done it on their own, but uh, being part of momentum, we had the, the vehicle to allow that to happen. So um, that's, uh, that's just a, a nutshell of some of the more recent, uh, recent mergers. I think I have uh, I've told you, and we track this for our own board of directors, uh, the, the performance has been, uh, been pretty strong, both top line and bottom line, keeping clients, but then expanding on those, uh, on those clients as we move forward. Probably the, the one that, uh, that's, that's been uh, uh, a little bit more difficult is uh, the Akondo uh, merger, just given the nature of the work they did, uh, coupled with the pandemic, uh, given some of that uh, consulting, and um, in advisory services, uh, that was uh, the, a lot of those projects were uh, were delayed. Having said that, uh, we've repivoted those uh, those uh, individuals into um, into some uh, some of the larger managed services opportunities, uh, given their deep industry knowledge, and actually has positioned us very well. And then we did do one in uh, in Canada, Traymore, and that's been uh, that's been very. Uh, very successful as well in uh, in helping us uh, uh, navigate some of the uh, the new project starts that we have in uh, in Canada. So, pretty uh, it's been pretty impactful, and uh, that's why we're very interested now with evaluations maybe looking uh, a little more attractive, and given our operational readiness to, uh, and financial capacity to to continue to accelerate them. All right, terrific. Thanks so much. And your next question comes from the line of Daniel Chen with CD Securities. Please go ahead. Hi, thanks. Uh, if we look at your mix of managed services, uh, like you mentioned, the bookings and the revenue um, mix from there continues to, to improve. Just want to confirm that this is a result of a lot of the deals that you had. You said these can take a little bit longer. Uh, just want to make sure that these are some deals that you saw uh, over the last year or two and just starting to uh, materialize. And then as we expect uh, that mix to improve, should we expect margins uh, for fiscal 21 to continue to improve from the current levels? Thanks. Yeah, yeah. so uh, a lot of that, uh, I think I've, I've mentioned before, those larger deals um, don't happen overnight. They, uh, there's a slightly uh, longer period of time to, to close those deals. And so uh, the good news is we were working on these, uh, preparing for this, uh, this market uh, 12, 18 months ago, and uh, some of those are, are those kind of deals. But, you know, they all work at, at different paces, and so uh, sometimes uh, a deal comes to us and, uh, and moves through the, the process uh, more quickly. Uh, the good news is we have, uh, uh, have uh, double-digit uh, opportunities of these types of larger uh, managed services deals in every single geography uh, in which we operate right now. And so that's the uh, that's the positive. So we continue to follow the uh, the the you know build the pipeline uh, so that we have a, a consistent 
uh, opportunity set uh, that, that we can close in any one quarter. Margin. Oh, uh, the, the margin part of your question. <laughs> I forgot about the margin part of your question. So, yes, uh, as I've always mentioned, the reason we have a 70% uh, managed services, 30% SINC, and uh, 30%, which you saw we also increased uh, by 1% uh, our um, uh, intellectual property as a percentage of revenue, that gives us the ultimate uh, revenue mix as we approach that we should continue to see margins increase um, as we move through that, uh, that process. And your next Thank question. And your next question comes from line of Rob Young with Canacor Ingenuity. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Uh, maybe just a follow-on question to the last one there. Um, the, um, the growth that you're expecting to see return in the second half, uh, it seems to me that might be shorter term uh, consultative type of uh, business, and so could you find yourself in a situation where you've got strong shift toward managed services, but then the buoyancy of you know a return of the shorter term? Yes, yes. Uh, the pipeline is up in both managed services, which uh, which are very instrumental, but it's also up in uh, in systems integration and consulting, and so that will that will help uh, buoy buoy it because uh, you know we're coming from a market where it was. Uh, a lot more on the SAINC side. I think we're going to see uh, now we're moving into that managed services side, but the goal is to, to have both uh, firing, and I think we're moving into that type of a market, which should be good for uh, from a growth perspective. And one of the, the things I think that um, uh, a Democrat government, if that happens in the U.S., would be potentially an expansion of H-1B visa and maybe some change in immigration rules. And maybe is there any thoughts there on how that might change your view on the local delivery model? Um, no, not really. Uh, you know, less than 10% of our workforce right now works uh, in a visa, and we're, so we're close uh, given, you know, uh, the, the various uh, policies that are going around there. I think in any case, our onshore delivery centers expect to be in demand across the uh, U.S., uh, I don't think our proximity model changes much, and of course we always have that global delivery model, which uh, which is in higher demand, and that's why you see the uh, the double-digit increases uh, in our India uh, operations on revenue, even as we're uh, as we're going through the pandemic. So uh, we we think we have a very uh, strong offering in the U.S. Uh, regardless. Okay, last one for me, maybe a little higher level. Um, in the prepared remarks, you mentioned retail just um, uh, as one of the areas where you've seen some strength. And so just it, one of the areas that seems to be very strong investment-wise uh, technology is the shift towards e-commerce. And so yeah. I just wonder if you could, you know, give, give some highlights on where CGI plays there and uh, you know, whether that is a driver for you. Yeah, well, the, 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 the short answer is yes, it is, uh, it is a driver, and that's why I highlighted one of the, the new wins was absolutely to help uh, a global retailer uh, get their uh, their U.S. Um, uh, e-commerce platform uh, right, and it extends beyond though just the uh, the ordering. It goes straight through to the delivering, which is where the the Menti software is helping us significantly. So uh, we play across the entire spectrum from the front end uh, straight through to the uh, fulfillment end. Thanks. Yep. Again, if you'd like to ask a question, press star 1 on your telephone keypad. And your next question comes from Anna Chiron Dubreuil with Desjardins. Please go ahead. 
Yes, good morning. Thanks for uh, for taking my question. Maybe maybe one for François. In terms of uh, working capital, I don't think we should expect a, a similar boost in fiscal 21. We expect maybe more more stable working cap. And related to that, uh, would the 1.9 billion um, cash generated from operating activities be a, a good run rate estimate for uh, for next year? Thanks uh, for the question. But as for the working cap, you're right that uh, we had a, a boost on the working cap by by 200 million. If you're looking at the uh, at the financial statement, and again, that was helped by the fact that uh, we were pretty good this year to reduce the DSO from 50 days to 47 days. So that 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 was a great achievement by 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 the team to be capable uh, to continue to collect and even re- reduce the DSO uh, year over year. That said, uh, you know, we're still expecting next year to be, uh, you know, in the high, uh, you know, at least uh, 1.7, 1.6, 1.7, and perhaps even more uh, cash from ops uh, by w- before working cap. And after that, depending on the working cap, can even be higher than that. So, so, so uh, we're still very bullish on, on the fact that we will be capable to, uh, to, uh, to generate a lot of cash next year. Okay, thanks. And maybe could that prompt you to uh, resume NCIB activity? We are, yes, uh, we are looking at it. Uh, we, uh, if you, you saw, we did some share buyback even in the uh, October timeframe, and uh, we will uh, look to see how uh, we can come back uh, on, on the NCIB uh, pretty soon. You'll see that. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for uh, joining us this morning. We'll see you for our first quarter results of 2021 in the next year. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.